So I think at the end of the day, understanding the customer and what they're interested in and firing the triggers at the right time, or even the engagement, if I was to macro it, is something that would help. Welcome to the Retail Asia podcast, where industry leaders discuss emerging trends and business models, their upcoming projects, and how the retail industry is evolving. And now here's your host, Paul Howell. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first podcast of Retail Asia magazine in partnership with Zendesk. Uh, For this first episode, we'll be talking about digital retail and explaining here's why great conversations make for great, happy, and satisfied customers. My name is Paul Howell. I'm the managing editor of Retail Asia. And joining me today uh, for this very special conversation is director of CX Practice, global customer engagement, and also the strategic strategic customer in residence for Zendesk. His name is Malcolm Coe. Malcolm, thank you very much for being here and welcome. Thanks, Paul. Great to be here. Um, excited. Um, just a little bit about me. So we take an, at Zendesk, we take an outside in approach to our customers, uh, meaning that we try to relate to them and partner with them in building uh, their CX practice. So this sort of Consulting helps the organizations to either scale or optimize their CX. So my team uh, works on that across the globe, uh, a small team, no less. Excellent. Well, we're certainly pleased to have your expertise here. Um, I might ask to start with, can you tell us some of the do's and don'ts for retail companies that are planning to shift to a more end-to-end customer experience? What, uh, What should they be looking out for? So I think what hasn't changed in CX is the understanding of customers um, and that alignment with the strategy. That That's always sort of where it's been at. Um, and so at the end of the day with retail, I think that's no stranger to this kind of disruption. And with the global pandemic, understanding customers has been, has come even more paramount. So things like understanding buying behaviors or and looking at consumer purchases and and looking at these trends and understanding them a bit better is somewhere that organizations need to go. At the same time, we all know in retail, there's this balance between in-store and online um, and simply looking at how to make that seamless uh, and designing some of those experience by understanding the customer is where we see building this superior customer experience. So, Retailers need to adopt a more nimble approach and value added approach in their design. So some of the ways they can do that, again, understanding is knowing your shopper. So that becomes down to use of your data. And, and I think that data is, is, is a huge engine, everybody knows, but at the end of the day, I think there's still the human element. And I think that's what's important that somehow we have to filter those down so you know what to look for in terms of that data. Um, we look at the sort of channel management or what they talk about omni-channel, so both that online and offline, understanding your digital channels, but really understanding them, like looking at some of those data points and those interactions either by segment so that you kind of have full contacts of the customer, including their, their current and past transactions. And of course, I think we all know that some of it can be seasonal, although nowadays I hear there's a sale every month, right? You've got one, one, two, two. Three, three. Um, but I think you are sort of designing demand in some of those ways. So that's to the point in terms of using data and being prepared for sort of those spikes. Maybe in the past when we only had one a year, an eight, eight or a nine, nine sale. Now they've been able to like spread out the demand generation. That could probably have been based off of data. So at the end of the day, utilizing these aspects 
are important in terms of that sort of the tech side of it and the technical side. But I think not to forget also in retail, a lot of it is driven by people. So I think at the end of the day, empowering your agents on the front line to be able to handle some of these queries, as you know, they'll come and helping them to be proactive in that sense. Also, again, I think the way we leverage data, I think it still needs that human element to kind of build the bars. Um, I, I can give you an example of an e-commerce player. I won't name them, but at the end of the day, I was looking for a pair of shoes. I go into the shoes, but they don't have my size, right? But you know, after that, every day I get an email that says, we see you're looking at the shoes. Do you want to buy them? I'm like, I want to buy them, but they're not the size. And so this is where your human element, sometimes in iterating, even though you have the data, I get why they have to ping me. They're like, obviously I'm interested in the shoes. So they keep asking me to buy them. But what they don't realize is it's not integrated because the shoes are actually out of stock. So actually I want them, but can't get them. And then you aggravate it by keep pinging me to say, by the fifth one, I'm like super annoyed that, hey, I'm, not, I'm, not, I, I'm interested in the shoes. Can you get the size for me, please? So is that a case of sort of a digital conversation that's not quite working the way that it's been intended to, um, where they're trying to ask you one thing, but the question they should be asking uh, is not actually within their programming? Is it a sort of situation like that? So again, I think what I was alluding to is you have to understand the customers, understand the behavior, but you have to iterate. I think what we do is we flick a switch with tech and we think that the machine can kind of do it itself. And that's where I think there's this balance or hybrid between both the human elements of understanding the behavior and then looking at the data so that you can optimize. So obviously if those pings come up, then you're able to iterate and change, or it, it could be sometimes departmental in terms of the silos, right? Marketing has the information, uh, but support doesn't. So again, sharing that data across systems, centralizing systems, aligning your strategies across different departments, all these are easier said uh, than done to do. So I think at the end of the day, it's about these are some of the steps you take. But I think in the beginning, what it is, is you, you start with that channel management um, so that it can enable you uh, to see some of that data. And then you move from there. In other words, you don't let it be static. You'll iterate again. That makes logical sense. Yeah, look, it does. Um, now, for retail companies to thrive, I think, I guess what you're saying is they must first need to survive a more digital landscape. Uh, so what are these baby steps that they can do to slowly transition uh, their business to a digitalization uh, model? So again, I think it boils down to sort of this understanding of customers and their behaviors and how you interact with them. So finding these areas of improvement using the tech and data and I think the best one we kind of use for us is using efficiency across AI and automation with that human collaboration, because at the end of the day, it's got to be sometimes bottom line driven. So getting that sort of um, tech in place, but then also getting some of the optimization in place does help to sell that. So the first step is kind of using that customer data. So looking at the filters, reviewing and understanding what existing data you have. Retails, retailers can sort of be informed of the decisions and channels, how they interact with the customer, even seeing whether some of the common issues that are being asked and maybe identifying some of those gaps. And then from understanding that, again, they'll provide you some cl clarity in terms of priorities. And then you iterate, right? Like, like, so that case in point, maybe the first thing is you get that trigger in place and that trigger should deflect some of the volume, but then maybe after you realize, oh, we seem to be out of stock. Maybe we need to integrate backend to this system so it can see if it is out of stock. And we know this customer is a size eight or nine. 
or varies between that, then if we only have 12s, we don't ping them, for example. But again, the machine can't necessarily do that on data itself. The data exists there, but someone has to kind of go into the process, but you also have to start that process in terms of the understanding. So building those insights uncovered through data is that kind of next step. I think the other thing we encourage now in the new world is about flexible technology. I think at the end of the day, a lot of things are now platforms. So speed to implementation and time to value is faster because you're not dependent on one system per se. You try to integrate as much as you can, but you're gonna to have to use some systems, but they should be able to like have universal adapters or APIs that piece these things together for you. Uh, and over time, again, I think you start the process and then you can iterate it to sort of reduce further, but you need to understand and not do it too quickly that you end up breaking things. And I think that today's new technology allows that. Um, and finally, I think, again, the people element is around empowering that team and helping them to stay productive, that collaboration aspect. So I think that's around some of the efficiency. We found that 59% of agents in retail companies say since the start of the pandemic, um, it takes more effort than to collaborate. So having invested in those internal tools that help you to stay connected and engaged, I know everybody's working at that, but it did, does have a impact, obviously. So I know that maybe investing on the front is a little bit more in fashion at times, but you also have to remember the sort of back end of things. Um, and I think that's sometimes a missed opportunity, but I think companies are moving on that as well. And as we transition towards more digitalization, I think in the end of the knowledge share is still something important in terms of those central systems that enable teams to be able to communicate efficiently and share information at scale and speed. Now, messaging apps uh, were once used solely for sort of personalized chatting uh, between humans and individuals. Um, how can retail companies utilize these apps uh, to further support their businesses and their customer service? So I think that messaging, we, we believe messaging is sort of the future because it's convenient, it's personal, and people are used to using it. I mean, a lot of us interact, I'll interact with my friends often uh, via app, via WhatsApp, but, um, and we also find that one third, nearly one third, it's about 31% prefer to communicate with a business via these social channels because they are, they are asynchronous and they can pick up sort of the conversation kind of where we left off. So that's kind of grown its popularity. Um, customers like the fact that they can use the same channel to talk to their friends as they, with their favorite brands. So that's something that we see as, as a growing area. And retailers often offer some flexibility and personalization in this, because again, I think it's more data friendly um, in terms of resolving issues faster. And there's a space for it between say, voice and the email channel that kind of comes through. There's this personalization, sort of real time aspect to some extent. And you've even got like documentary sort of proof because the message is there. So personally for me, I think one of these major benefits of messaging is that asynchronous nature. So unlike chats that tend to end at the session uh, with a distinct start and stop, you still have the history. So when you go back, you can see uh, what you were talking about and it makes that context easier to pick up for the customer and the agent. Um, so I think in these aspects, uh, the, the, that context is something that's good, that's available to um, the customer, which would help in terms of build, building up that sort of relationship over time. Now, are there other ways that uh, retailers can customize, uh, personalize, and individualize uh, their end-to-end -end customer experiences? Uh, and are there any examples you can give of, of, that, of those? 
Um, so I think the end-to-end -end customer experience, uh, for now, we look at some of the optimization in terms of leveraging this technology. Uh, but let's not, I did talk about people in terms of those workflows. So it's a combination, again, of tech, data, and humans, and then iterating your process. And I think the world, the world is sort of changed a bit, as we know. So to unlock this potential of customizing the customer experience from end to end, you need to have those system and platforms built on this open flex, uh, technology in terms of that flexibility and time to value. And, and that allows for a better customization with, with still the ability to scale. So some examples that I can think of, let me see like, like specific workflows for repeated customers, loyal customers. So understanding that they're there and allowing the agents to offer better personalization, connecting those backend systems as much as you can. So those internal backend systems, sales, support, IT, HR, can bring relevancy for the people to resolve complex and queries that may require sometimes an escalation. So that would sort of quick kill these tickets, which save time because there is some redundancy if you take longer. Uh, applying triggers for your front page to provide new customers with a discount. So that's again, understanding the behavior and the buy patterns or even designing some of that behavior based on their sort of sensitivity to it. So I think at the end of the day, understanding the customer and what they're interested in and firing the triggers at the right time, or even the engagement, if I was to macro it, is something that would help. Set up time sensitive sort of chatbots. So that's also to offer help or assistance at the right time. Uh, obviously, like if you are at the right time, then you would, there's often a case where you can see they're hesitant. And then if you proactively ping, you'll help the sale closure. I think with those kind of examples too, I think what we often don't do when we design the process, if you don't track the metric, I think it's becoming increasingly important. So for example, if that's incremental or new revenue that probably wouldn't have been closed, but that, that chat or that proactive engagement caused it, tracking that to some extent will enhance or allow you to get more investment in future. So being able to sample it and say, well, we tested these ones that didn't get engagement didn't close. And these ones that had the engagement within 30 seconds or one minute uh, did, then you can start to A-B test and you can start to prove to your, it's about gaining influence within your organization to be able to get further investment into these sort of areas. So, and then lastly, maybe like this efficiency enabling a chatbot to offer up these promotions. Um, and again, based on purchase history, again, the human element is maybe building the sort of filters or the analytics and data exists, but the human still needs to be there in terms of understanding and iterating this process so that you get closer and closer to sort of the behaviors of your customers. I don't think it's a one size fits all. And that's why you need to practice it a bit, create that practice, and then iterate that process. And I think that's the best way to kind of create your end to end. It's a moving target, so to speak. Of course, your tech needs to sort of be flexible enough to complement that. So again, um, human with data and tech. Uh, look, I was going to ask you, you talk uh, a little bit about the iteration process, and I wanted, wanted to ask you a little about what that looks like for a retailer just starting out with this process. What do you mean by continually iterating the, the experience? Okay, so I think at the end of the day, if you, you're trying to understand the customers, a lot of us, we take for granted that we're started along this journey. So I think the journey... One is continuous. So at the end of the day, what I'm trying to say is you look at the data, your human element has to come in and look at the process 
and then it builds the data around it. And then as your, it's not a one size fits all because at the end of the day, things change and customer behaviors change. So you need to, and like, I think I gave the shoe example, obviously when they built that first trigger, it's that if somebody's looking at the shoe and they're looking at the shoe for a long enough time, they must be interested. If they're interested and they didn't buy, we'll ping them again. That process makes sense. But again, when you lay over, and it sounds simple because we, it kind of funny is that they're out of stock of it. Now, if you integrate another part and you iterate it, and then you'll discover, oh, if we integrate this part where there is a missing size and we have the backend integrated to see that this customer usually buys this size and this size, maybe ask a question like, is it because we don't have your size? And if I tick that box, then please stop sending me the proactive email, which is designed properly, but again, in the end gonna tick me off because if you send it to me six, seven times over the week or every hour, then I'm gonna be annoyed. And then I'm gonna say, you don't actually understand me. So today's customer and their expectations are that they understand this. So the only way to keep up with the customer expectations is to lay the processes, have things integrated, understand the data, but you still need to change up every now and then without saying, I've launched it, we can leave it and just let the triggers run. I think iteration is just the check back or how the human element would work into it, that you check back and say, oh, I run the process, it still works, or it might not work, there's this slight new nuance. And so I think that I'm just saying, don't stay static, even though you've launched this thing or this process with the data and the insights, you also need to sometimes take a check back to say, oh, it's like the quality check at the restaurant. Food standard, they probably won't say anything, but every now and then the server will come over and ask you something like, how is the food today, right? That engagement. So that human element, I think, is something that has to be built in. And that's what the iteration in my definition is. Look, look, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I guess I just wanted to add on to your example that uh, uh, the, they're not only sort of ticking off a potential customer or, or someone who was interested in their product, uh, they're also missing out on that potential future sale. Uh, you know, if stocks can come back in place over the next week or two weeks or whatever the time frame is, there is that opportunity missed in talking to you and explaining what the situation is and, and how it could be remedied. Exactly. So uh, back onto the messaging apps, can they also create sort of conversation-focused workspaces? Uh, you've talked a little bit about the customer experience, but you've also mentioned a little bit about what happens internally within retailers and how uh, investment decisions uh, kind of get made through the sort of storytelling uh, of um, uh, taking that data and really analysing it. Uh, and um, and providing a story for what's actually happening uh, in in real time. Can messaging apps help to create those conversation focused workspaces? So the short answer is yes, most definitely. Uh, at the rate of messaging growth now, which is growing in popularity across the customer service channel, um, but I think the important thing here is much like we learned from chat. Sometimes we flick the switch on. The channel needs to be well managed, so the quality of engagement. Uh, is important. And I think that at the end of the day, that's something we often take for granted. But if used properly, that's the assumption, then proper engagement can lead to sales and increased loyalty. But again, I was in this before, we flicked chat on too soon, we didn't man it very properly, we didn't train properly. And then people started saying things like, oh, it was a bad experience, but it is a channel that's more efficient. So at the end of the day, it needs to be done properly with like strategized, 
uh, quality of engagement is important and well-managed. So with buying and new operating models and most businesses here to navigate these days, it means more players, agents, delivery. You can build the ecosystem if you think about it and connect more seamlessly across these conversations. So tools like messaging ads can foster these seamless conversations and create greater collaboration. But again, as I mentioned, to do this properly and properly is somewhat subjective, you need to have that quality kind of um, unified sort of central system. So sort of the tech, uh, you need to have like um, manage all those conversations, creating those traditional channels in one place and have sort of an ease of use. And if possible, the real-time conversational interface that ensures agents have a single view of customer as well as a necessary context to be able to manage quickly and efficiently those queries. So in a situation where say a customer purchases an item online, chooses to pick it up on store, that the systems can speak to one another and they don't go there and it's out of stock, for example, like my shoes. <laughs> Um, information is easily available to everyone that's in contact. So if it has to switch from different people uh, to provide that smooth and seamless experience to the customer. Um, and then at the end that there is an alert uh, for the order if it is going to be delayed. So keeping abreast of uh, the situation and advising the customer accordingly across the messaging app, because I think now it's more personalized in real time, the expectations are a little bit higher per se. Um, so you need to manage that properly. And hence, if you're, for example, like I said, if your backend isn't integrated and lo and behold, they go there and it's out of stock, that would be not a good thing. Yes, indeed. I, look, I, I think uh, if I can uh, attempt to sum up, uh, you're saying that just because a, a, a conversation is very human and transparent, uh, and and very customer customer focused and customer friendly. Uh, the back end of that uh, re requires a whole lot of management and a whole lot of complex uh, 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 iterations from a team that's involved. Coming up to the last few questions, probably one of the most important ones I wanted to get across was that great customer experiences obviously start with good customer service. So what advice can you give retail businesses that are looking to digitally strengthen and maintain uh, their client bases? So I think the start of all this often is we take for granted that there's a strategy in place. So I think that strategic alignment across the different and key stakeholders is something that's important. Then you sort of complement that with flexible tech that's time to value um, and then you kind of measure and test things out again. So that's the high level. Um, given sort of how drastically things have changed over the last year and a half, the best advice really comes down to investing in some of that technology as well that supports that strategy of those CX goals. So any tech investment can be a large one. So retailers need to look for a solution that plays nicely with others and integrates across that. So open and flexible technology that works out of the box, um, but can also be easy configured to suit your needs and grow and help you grow if you're scaling or that needs change. And I think planning for budgets, a team should have agility in mind because things tend to change very quickly these days. So it's essential to build up sort of that omni-channel too, in terms of uh, the multiple channels that you can be engaged on in. So online, offline messaging, um, and adding sort of apps and integrations to sort of augment that experience, as well as optimize sort of the stack with automations, AI, and even the self-service area. 
in terms of being as efficient as possible. And then I think lastly, as a small word of advice, don't be afraid to try things out and measure those things. I think we talked a little bit about that measurement, if you can tag it to the costs or the savings or even test if, if revenue is improved, um, that you are proving that case out so that it can help you in terms of getting investment in the future. And, and of course, I know that in, there's always this inertia. So that's why I think I take that we take those things for granted that we should try to test things out. Well, thank you very much, Malcolm. Uh, it's been a really insightful uh, session. Certainly that big takeaway for me uh, has been the need to constantly review, constantly test, constantly maintain uh, the, the systems behind uh, these digital conversations uh, in order to make them uh, more human, more customer focused. Look, that's my takeaway. I wonder if there's a final thought uh, or last point that you'd like to give our audience uh, to take away from today's session. Uh, well, that was, that was definitely part of it. I think the other compliment is, is the tech in itself, um, that you do invest in flexible and agile technology that's tying to value. But yes, using the data that you have um, and that requires some of the human element and testing, but also having the technology that enables you to um, complement the process or be able to engage because you need like analytics tools, you need simplified stacks. Um, if you can look into the messaging area because we see that as a new ecosystem of that engagement. Um, but at the end of the day, it boils down to providing that good customer experience by understanding the customer. And all those elements that I mentioned before help to enable and empower your people to be able to do that. And I think that's that's really the message that we wanted to put across. Awesome, thank you very much, Malcolm. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. My last question is, if listeners are looking to learn more about Zendesk uh, and your advice, where can they reach you? Thanks, Paul. They can reach us, uh, they can go to our website, uh, www.zendesk.com slash contact. Uh, you can also look for some interesting CX information there. We also have a benchmark report probably Google Zendesk benchmark report, which has a lot of good information about CX trends uh, this year. And we launch that every year. Thank you so much, Paul. I uh, appreciate the time and uh, happy CX to everybody and stay safe and stay well. Thanks very much, Malcolm. Uh, and that is it from today's Retail Asia podcast. We'll be back with more news, views and insights from the retail industry across Asia Pacific soon. But until then, my name is Paul Howell and thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to our channel on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcast. For more information, check out retailasia.net.